0: Welcome to Talkie Talk podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with TJ. Yep, yeah. Chris. Hello, and David. Hello,
1: David.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> we we're all here at once. Activate. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about last week's homework, courtesy of Chris. Uh, no, TJ. Yep, TJ assigned us the 1949 film All the King's Men. Wait, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Okay, all
1: right.
2: And I'm cribbing TJ here. Do you guys know what Star Wars character is appears in Fast and the Furious? Character? Well, kind of. It's an Easter egg for the character. Oh, Yoda. So, <laughs> does everyone remember in Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift the, the 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 or Fast Six the the wise person who is? there to teach people on this new way of living and this new way of being han, han. Mm-hmm. guess what his last name is no yes is it really yes
1: nice except Johnson. Is- yeah. han johnson
2: <laughs>
3: except han gutenberg han <laughs> han <Han's> slagbag <laughs>
1: <laughs> Han slagbag <laughs> is that new- a big do contender for best movie with a slagbag <laughs> So, this is Sluggy Bag, the podcast for <laughs> SlaggyBag.com. I'll take like here.
2: <laughs> so his full name is, well, if you're, because he's Korean, it would be. Um, Star Wars Solo. It's Solo Han, but it's S E O U L O H, and then Han. Boo. What? What <laughs> 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 Like, what a weird homage to pay in your movie about racing cars, but it makes sense that the guy who's teaching you how to race better is the guy who did the Kessel Run in
3: X number of parsecs. I don't actually remember, but uh, this reminds me of the, there's a Family Guy bit where Brown is writing his book and he's like, I'm going to name my character, uh, like, Guy. That way they'll know he's just an everyday American guy, but that'll be for the scholars later. (laughs) Like, you douche but i
2: i just want everyone to know going forward everyone who's upset about hobbs and shaw knowing full well that shaw killed han solo that uh <laughs> that, that that ben kenobi's got company now that uh, sorry ben solo's got company is that more than one person has killed han solo oh <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> i was like
3: i was real confused for a second <laughs> i thought you thought that what's his name was in Sports Week, uh, Adam Driver. And his no, Driver. Wait, that he thought. Uh, what's his name? The guy who has to fuck women to shoot people or whatever. Oh, Jason Statham. Yeah, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a character, Mr. Statham. Not you. I don't think. just to <laughs> fuck women to kill people. What's that movie called? Oh, with the the crank, heart crank. crank the heart thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He Ooh. runs out of he runs out of hearts juice, so he has to do other juices. Yeah. Those are great movies, by the way. <laughs> crank and Crank 2 High Voltage. What did we see on my birthday at the drive-in a few years ago?
2: Oh. You mean the one that I don't remember the end of, but I saw no, it? No, that was... You don't remember the end of your second viewing of Deadpool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we
3: watched Alien Covenant, and I was like, okay. And no, Alien Deadpool Covenant too. was paired with uh, the, the horror movie that was that we liked that the girls hated. Oh, uh, oh! A night, n- night, night in the woods. Not of the Roxbury. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the. Uh, it comes at night. It comes, comes at, at night. night. Uh, thanks, Brent. I wasn't
0: there. I know. <laughs> we watched. Uh, you were there. I, I remember that. Yeah, we watched Cl- Tim Cloverfield Lane and Deadpool at the. Uh, okay, drama. but you're not weren't
3: there at the one where we watched the shitty Jason Statham sequel. No that was Blair Witch. Oh, that was the Machinist. Okay. The, the Blair Witch no, mechanic. Machine, no. the, yeah. machine. the machine
2: mechanic. The machinist there was not an emaciated Christian bale. <laughs> that was the super muscular Jason Statham. Oh that was that was Pi Two high voltage. <laughs> Life of Pi Two. High voltage crank. But sorry, Brent, you were saying I ah, have no idea. <laughs> in
0: summation, all the kings bench. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, I think Dave's going to give us a rundown of... Han Solo, Han Dynasty, all the Kingsmen. We're there.
0: Yep. <laughs> I was saying this was a uh, 1949 <laughs> movie. At one Best Picture. Uh, best,
1: at least a couple other Oscars. Best Actor for Broderick Crawford, who plays Willie Stark. And Best Supporting Actress for Mercedes McCambridge, who the plays... The best name ever. Sadie yeah, Mercedes McCambridge. Yeah, oh yeah, plays Sadie. I thought you heard me say Sadie McCambridge. <laughs> yeah. Mercedes.
2: Uh, I, by the way, I heard uh, in an interview, it's it's Mercedes, is how apparently she pronounces her name. Mercedes? Mercedes.
0: Oh, that works for her. That's great. I'm going to call her Mercedes. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to
2: say it the way that everyone else would pronounce those letters grouped together. Yep. <laughs> but instead, to avoid a Zoe Douche <laughs> scenario,
3: I thought I'd bring it up.
0: <laughs>
3: I called her a douche. What? douche?
0: So, David, what was this movie about?
1: Uh, it's about the rise of politician Willie Stark from a rural county seat Winterfell. all the way to the governor's mansion. He starts off in politics. He hates the corruptly run uh, government, kind of a bunch of good old boys in uh, in this town. Um, he's kind of sick of it. He wants to run for county treasurer, and there's unfair obstacles with this local uh, machine uh, of politics. He teaches him he loses... And kind of teaches himself law as a lawyer. He fights the establishment, really getting the uh, popularity of the local people and the, the the county hicks on board. He rises to become a co- candidate for governor and uh, narrowly loses his first race.
3: He's hired as like a stooge.
1: Yeah. 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 They just want another person to divide the vote. And he doesn't know this until uh, Sadie kind of tells him, like, don't you know the fix is in? And, uh, Willie Stark, a man who has never, uh, drank before, gets drunk at his, uh, being betrayed like that, being set up as a stooge and like, embarrassed. Like, his
2: concession speech, basically. Not his concession, but his endorsement speech, basically. Yeah. Where he's supposed to tell the other guy in the party, like, I fully support you.
3: Right.
1: Yep. So, instead, he gets, uh, super drunk and kind of rails against the machine, uh, and, uh, you know, wants to be the, the king of the hicks. Kinda of has a fiery speech, arguing against. Good yeah, arguing against the corruption. Uh, he he loses, keeps running and losing, but he's gaining more. Uh, kind of getting more popularity, and he's getting better at law. Uh, the big thing that causes him to kind of get in the main race is there is a uh, stairwell that collapses at a school. You know, a one that he said that got uh, school bid got. You know, corruptly underbid. Like or his
3: first big thing, he was mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, fighting for.
1: But it went to like a politician's brother got the got the bid to build the school, and it was like subpar. And a bunch of uh, kids passed away. When he's at the funeral, and they say, you know, we need Willie. So, so that's kind a, of a not one of my a, favorite scenes. Yeah. That scene felt a little weird. <laughs>
3: yeah, all the parents at our kids' funeral will be like, "We're gonna vote for you." Everyone be like, "I'm sorry, man. I, know. Like, <laughs> I made a
1: mistake." <laughs> I guess we're This part. along the way, Jack Burden is a reporter and uh, is kind of covering him initially because he's kind of an interesting candidate. And eventually, uh, the paper stops running him because the the uh, I guess the politicians own the newspaper and they're supposed to back somebody else. So he quits that, joins uh, Willie Stark's campaign. He's in love with
3: him. Love yeah,
1: him. He, he's completely caught up in his uh, his vision. Um, along the way, Willie kind of loses his, uh, morals, but the way he wins is to kind of, uh, get people's favor by promising them positions, keeps saying like, it's, you know, it doesn't mean nothing, but he, he does compromise and they get in those positions of power and he keeps people around to remember where he came from is how he explains it, but the, he brings kind of the, the old machine along. Um, along the way, he's got a son who he's kind of forced into, forced through his cult of personality into, I guess, playing at the, uh, you know, State College University, whatever it's called. Bigger
3: than professional football at the time.
1: Yep. And, you know, he kind of, without the, I guess, moral fiber in his life, his son is like a, you know, drinks and runs his girlfriend off the road and... Drunk, he's playing in a game and he gets paralyzed. And eh, there's a good bit of stuff here, but uh, B plot. Yeah, yeah. Along in the very kind of end is he's got all these nemesis, including the uh, the judge, Judge Stanton, who's uh, one of Jack's old friends. You know, from the the place he comes from, uh, he's told to get some dirt on him. And he said, "There's no dirt." Eventually, he finds something, and uh, his girlfriend, or supposed girlfriend, has actually secretly been taking up with Willie, and tells Willie about the dirt. The judge uh, kills himself, and uh, the judge's son uh, ends up assassinating Willie Stark, kind of completing his uh, his arc there. Which
3: is a like pretty much point for point retelling of what happened to. Governor and senator from Louisiana in the '30s, Huey Long.
2: Yeah, if you if you move some plot points around of like the political sphere, right, then it is Huey
3: Long to a T. But he was mm-hmm. beloved by the then like blue dog kinda yeah type Louisiana people, and did try to dig up dirt on a judge who killed himself, whose son killed. Yeah, Huey Long.
2: Mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny when I when I looked into it, the whole like. You're running as a patsy. Someone's trying to split the vote was his presidential campaign, and Roosevelt picked him as the hick, which is crazy Yeah, to think that, like, without Huey Long, we don't have FDR with his long, you know, presidency, long and storied presidency. FDR loved him. I think
3: what I read was for, like, a few months, and then it already caught up to him kind of, and he was like, he's not progressive enough. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about this. To me, especially in our current, like, political climate, is that Huey Long was, like, as progressive as it got then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when he you think a, of, like, villainy and was tyranny... A, he and, was like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. If, if, if Louisiana. If, if you can imagine, in today's climate, someone who is, like, most likely to be, like, a dictator or tyrannical in the way that they run anything in their government office, your first thought is never red. It's always... I mean, your first, your first thought is never blue. It's right. always red. Mm-hmm. But you know, he he very much was, you know, a populist candidate, both Huey Long and Willie Stark. And they they did good.
1: Yeah. He did deliver to the people like, like these. healthcare and
3: education in Louisiana like shot up and they do that in the movie too. Right. Um but he also David and me were talking outside before the podcast, like David brought up the thing like Huey Long actually did not have like a history lesson here. But like built four lane roads in towns where there were no cars. Like the people couldn't afford cars, right? Mm-hmm. He was just like got really into industry and industrialism, and yeah. yeah. I was watching this movie real quick, was an anecdote. It worked today. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching like highlights from it, I watched it last night. And my boss came in. Charles for like five minutes. He was like, "What are you watching?" And I was like, "All the King's Men." He was like, "Yeah, hey, back in the day where politicians had to become corrupt." <laughs> 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 oh, no, that was no that point. That's pretty <laughs>
1: fantastic. It was funny. I
2: was so you and I watched the same version, the one that was on TMC, and they've got like a, an intro from a uh, uh, Ben
1: Mankiewicz.
2: Matt Mankiewicz, uh, and he talks about how like the one big change from the Robert Penn Warren book is that he decided to make uh, Burden a bigger character and the role of journalism more important to uh, to this story than was important to the fictional character representing Hugh Long's story. Um, and I thought that was a, an interesting bend because I guess they aired this movie with TMCs, um, like movies about journalism and politics, yeah. the, the intersection of journalism and politics. Mm-hmm. Which is a great thing right now for, you know, yeah. TMC to run. But it also made me think about, like, how, at the time... I mean, when did Upton Sinclair publish The Jungle? Was Was it 1905? 5? 1905. <laughs> so, like, here we are with the story, like, you know, maybe, like, a few years after the Great Depression. Uh, about, like, a, a dictator's rise. So, 40 years later, if that. And... Uh, muckraking becomes the weapon of of burden yeah uh and it's 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 crazy like that uh the the idea of of the, like the role that burden plays is just to dig up dirt but now that is the, the modus operandi of any politician mm-hmm. is oh, yeah. like get dirt on judge stanton like there's like Opposition research is that,
3: period. Mm-hmm. The name of the game. Yeah. It,
0: battle to make people want to vote against someone. Yeah. And you be the only choice standing. Yeah. As an aside, a quick aside, I also watched this on TCM. I wish Ben Mankiewicz can just intro and outro every movie I've watched. I loved it. Oh, my I'm God. A big, I'm a big fan it of him. It was so yeah. good. <laughs> it's just, it, it's brief. It's to the point. It just gives you a little, just enough to just make you like, oh, I'm ready to watch this. You thing. know what a maybe miss yeah, A nice little takeaway
1: at the end. What's his name? Yeah.
3: Huh? You're going to mention the guy who used to
0: do it for TCM?
3: Oh, yeah. He, he used to actually run a film festival at where I work now before mm-hmm. I started working there. Uh, I can't remember his damn name now, though.
1: Robert, uh, Robert Osborne? Yes. Robert
3: Osborne. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say maybe Miss Filmstruck, though. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> love the little like tidbits I would watch before See, a movie I'd seen or after a movie I was watching for the first time.
2: It, it made me think of Leonard Malton when you would let like the back in the day, which, you know, if you're under the age of 25 and you're listening to this, uh, Leonard Malton would do TV guide synopses of movies oh, like yeah. Leonard Malton's like deep, forgot about deeper this. picks, and he would give like a really sh- like maybe like a like a ten sentence concise uh, review of a movie that wasn't like opinion but was just like this movie is important because of this, it is influential because of this, and then it stars these people who got who moves on from this role to this role, and like here are the challenges, and that was it. You just got, like, facts from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, like, as a storied movie critic, like, it was a lot of fun to hear, you know, Mm -hmm. Malton just do, like, if you want something interesting about the movie and the plot hasn't caught you yet, which you've already gotten from TV Guide, which, it was on the TV Guide channel. Right. Right. Which used to be a thing. A preview channel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was just, it was so cool. So then when Menkowitz introduced it as, like, a, well, like... We've already watched Citizen Kane, and I forget the other movie that it was that, that
3: they played before this. But well, we like, said, like, Citizen Kane was William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. And Willie Stark was Huey Long. Yeah. Mm.
2: But, but c- comparing uh, that, are, like,
3: Thinly not Nail. loosely based. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but that was, that was cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll, the TCM does a great job with that. I get hooked on TCM some weekdays, like, on the rare weekend where I have nothing planned. Yeah, and it's just like, today we're showing you like the best war movies of 1953, it was like, whip! <laughs> I'm going to play Candy Crush on the couch all day and watch all <laughs> these movies. It's, it's funny because
2: TCM doesn't show up on Just Watch, so in all of our searches of is it streaming or not, it, it, it might be really cool once we start looking at Best Picture nominees because TCM it presented that movie entirely without commercial.
1: Let's check that out. Yeah, we I just got lucky
3: because... Did you watch it on...
1: I watched it on Prime Okay, I check it on Just Watch, and I have a bunch of Best yeah. Pictures that... I want to check out now to see if they
2: have... Yeah, TCM might have it because it's, you know, if you're a Comcast slash Xfinity or whatever your cable provider is, if you have access to... Cox, you have Cox. Turn, yeah, <laughs> Cox Media or, like, anything on, on... If you have access to turning classic movies and you're trying to go through some best pictures and your early catalog is blank like a lot of us, they might have those as part of one of their limited run series. Yeah, they, um... That's a pitch. TCM. Ted Turner is from Georgia. We need to disclose Should this we fact. Should we
1: induct TCM into the top of <laughs> <land>? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Really. <laughs> ben Mankiewicz's pieces really had great cinematography. The way the camera would sweep
0: in really close and then sit there, and then
3: go direct away. A, directed by Bradley Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> the question
0: is: Is this the best thing Ben Mankiewicz has ever been associated with? <laughs> <laughs> is it his best piece? Yeah. Um, all right. Shall we put the all the king's men through the gauntlet and see what becomes of them can we say now what let's do it oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first off entertainment value did you enjoy watching the movie and I will start um I never first off have, I like to ask this question had any of us ever seen this movie first I like watch. that you
1: asked this question <laughs> it's,
3: it's a first
0: watch for all of us yeah yeah. Never seen it. Never seen it. Yeah, Never seen a, a rare first watch for all four of us. Yeah, I think. there's multiple. Ver- there's. A We're really good at. Watching I think stuff. I,
2: had, I. think I had seen the 2006 version. Oh no. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about. I don't
2: know. know. It <laughs> seems like Sean Penn was like, "Yeah, I can do it." You guys That's are just answering, answering because Ben Mankiewicz was like, was and then say. this version is clearly superior to the 2006 release. Yeah, well, that's it's going to Know about percent on Rotten
3: tomatoes yeah. or Mankiewicz shitting on it after watching yeah. the, the
1: 49 version. You don't want to make a shit here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, on here. Yeah, I'll
0: start. Actually, I did find the movie entertaining. I thought it was uh it was very plot centric, which means it's never, you know, meandering too much with like uh, tone or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's just moving along. And it boy it moves kind of snappily due to there being so much plot in yeah. the movie too. So yeah. I, I found it entertaining. It was
1: I thought it was pretty compelling myself. Uh, you always get this. I, I get these connotation of these old Best Picture winners. They're probably stodgy and you know static little curios of the past. But like like you said, I agree. It kind of zips along. Performances are compelling, and the plot's compelling. And I uh, thought, uh, not to get too ahead of myself, but I thought it was pretty ahead of its time with with a lot of stuff. I mean, definitely compared to, like,
3: another Best Picture winner I've seen from that era, which was Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was a fucking ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was entertaining. I mean, I, it lost me a little bit in the middle, like, third, I want to say. Sure. It got a little boring. Yeah. Um, but the end and the beginning were super compelling.
2: Yeah. I, w- I would even expand that to say the middle, like,
3: Half, maybe, maybe even two thirds. I was kind of bored with the secondary story, the John Ireland character. they're reporting, yeah, the Jack yeah. Burton
1: stuff really lags because yeah. I think it, he lacks the charisma that the he he was not, main performers have. Right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Broderick Crawford is so electrifying, even when he's just laying in bed giving out orders like to his like fiefdoms. Mm-hmm. Like he's still really good in the way that he does the Willie Stark and his his like his speeches are what I look forward to in that movie like when i when 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 I anticipate him having an opportunity of grandstanding mm-hmm. that's when I find the the movie entertaining is because I, probably because I have a historical bias and that I know that this movie is Broderick Crawford and I, like that that is the centerpiece mm-hmm. And when I come to it with
3: that, that's what I want. And I want him to be big. Well, the speeches were good. Acting that was big. The easiest line to draw for the plot was to, you know, see that speech on a literal soapbox in the first scene yeah. to the drunk speech. Yeah. Like, you saw, like, it was such a gradual change throughout the film, I felt like that if you broke down those speeches and watched them back to back to back, it would like different characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was. Well done. Yeah. yeah their part. I think part but maybe, of the
1: Jack Burton weakness sure. is that when you have a, not a sycophant, but someone who's trailing like a comet like Willie Stark, is, he just can't stand alone. Right. Because all of his motivations are wrapped up in what he thinks about Willie. Yeah. So I think the movie makes a little bit of a mistake to spend so much time yeah. guess, in the adaptation with him. Having yeah.
3: said that, and we're getting ahead of the gauntlet here, so sorry, Brent, but uh, Mercedes. Was fucking phenomenal in the film, and I yeah. think any time spent with her was mm-hmm. fantastic.
2: I think after after her second scene, her second scene when they're back at Burdens Pond. What's the name of the town? Is it Burdens Pond? Burdens, Landing. Burdens, Landing. Burdens Landing. The second scene at Burdens Landing where they have like the big big embrace underneath the portrait of the former governor. Oh wait, like, that's his.
3: That's his girlfriend, right?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Mercedes yeah. is the political Mercedes track. is the... Oh, never mind. You're right. Yeah. Um,
3: she was the one who I thought, like, stole scenes. I thought she was absolutely yeah. phenomenal. I could not take my eyes off her in any scene that she was in. Oh,
2: yeah. I, I love her first conversation I, about fixing politics, and, and the guy come, and Burden comes to and she goes, give me a cigarette. Especially that she
3: was a woman in the time. Like, that yeah. made it even more... And, and to watch.
1: the telling it like it is cutting through all the shit I think you need when you have such a grandstanding figure and someone who is like a lackey yeah. it's great to have that as like the uh, kind of yeah. a nice through line thing I mean maybe. she
2: literally tells Stark and she tells us you need people like us like when he's about yeah, to firm yeah, like, yeah. Bridges she goes you need people like us and mm-hmm. it's just like you're absolutely right because without I mean the normal political dealings it's like it's Stark issuing edicts, and like people kind of dumbfounded, like, okay, whatever. And then her, finally, like she's the only voice in the room who pushes.
3: Speaking of her voice, real quick, she was in this, she was in Giant, but yeah. she has a far more famous role that I don't think many people know she was in. I already told David about this outside. She's the voice of Pazuzu in The Exorcist. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And it, it makes sense when I hear it now, yeah. her voice was fantastic. Mm. in the film but I think we I just think kind of ran the gauntlet without Brent a little bit <laughs> I quite famously didn't get to the part where we got to hear from Pazuzu in The Exorcist <laughs> <laughs> because the music scared me away from that movie oh uh, so, so there's a story from I think Brent was like before a trivia game was like the guy who hosts the trivia game likes The Exorcist a lot. I'm going to watch The Exorcist. I decided this at, like, 1 a.m. Yeah. Turns it on. Just so sees the guy walking down the road with the music. He's like, nah, I'll just read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> 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 I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, well, let me... Let,
0: real quick. Uh, did the movie elicit any kind of emotional response from you? Like, did you feel anything watching this? Because, for me, this is... I didn't really. Because, I mean, it's the, the... The theme is resonant that power corrupts. But... I don't know that
3: it really hit so, me in any way. Not to bring, like, politics to the forefront of the conversation at all, but I think Brent being more of a, like, re- moderate Republican in his thinkings, a way a Republican, like, we wish they would think. You know what I mean? Yes, socially, I you're, like, socially very liberal. and But, I mean, you're more Republican than the three of us.
0: I would say so, yes.
3: And... Like that's that's a of that that I'd like to go to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> dead, this right? is as Republican. I think as Chris I would like and David are like more to the left than I am. Um, <clears throat> I feel like it was fun good. watching this kind of like Donald Trump esque character later in the film. So I was actually with like liberal leanings. Yeah, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. This is hard because like uh, it kind of puts you in the shoes of like the people who like love what Trump's doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, see, and I was as, just like, would I I'd be was, okay with it? if As I it was, was watching the
0: movie? movie, I was preparing myself for a Donald Trump comparison here, which is like, I do think he's he's comparable with Trump in the way that he definitely rallies certain types the of Hick people. Speech, man, that yes. was Trump like, through and through. It was it was it was very type, reminiscent. He's
1: rallying Hicks against the established power, yes, yes. yeah, and rallying against papers and, then, and stuff. And then
3: not doing anything with oh. the power once he got but to was, where he could do something. I well. was go-
0: I was going to to uh draw the line though once he's elected because uh Stark actually got a lot of stuff done right so he he wound up being a uh not impotent uh elected official yeah. despite having the backing of everybody in government yeah and so i think that shows you a stark difference between
1: yeah. the current situation and uh yeah. because
0: I feel like a real stark difference, haha, <laughs> stark. And
1: part of what he does is it's, you know, more not play. not to get too much more into this, but he gets to do all this stuff because of how he can work with the other side, yeah, and with this entrenched power, can make everybody love him rather than yeah. alienate and then not get anything done. Yeah, so yeah, I agree. I think so. He reminds 100%. you a
0: lot of Trump as a candidate, and rise, nothing like Trump yeah, as, a leader, yes. as a elected official. I would but, agree, but
1: but
2: yeah, I would draw the comparison just a little bit further. The way that he has his political opponent manage the hospital. Uh, very reminiscent of, like, the Ted Cruz dealings that Trump had. Yeah. Where it's like, you have these people, like, trying to kick you in, like, in the dirt. And then, as soon as you are elected, you're like, but now you need to eat out of my hand. Mm. And then they're willing to do so. So, I guess I'm saying the extra comparison is mm. the way that people then react mm. to him once he gets elected. Um, in that they know that they have to play ball in his court.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um. Anything strike you about the uh, the direction, of the script, the story, like the the way it was told? Um,
1: cause Not it, really. I feel it like didn't... it was a
0: very straightforward, very simple movie. Matter of fact, yeah, I you know? got yeah. Uh, how about the characters? Uh, obviously, Stark is very compelling. Yeah, being his rise and fall. I I don't know that any other character was really that compelling as I mean. far as an arc goes. Um, sadly, the only other two characters who really have arcs are kind of the milquetoast characters of the movie for me, which are the journalist and his girlfriend.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I guess Sadie doesn't really have an arc as right. much. She's but she's a
0: great sort of supporting character. She's a fantastic character. She
3: like pumps up every scene that she's in.
2: Yeah. But I think I think my only regret for the film is that you say, you know, character arc. I don't think that that we get to see the falling action of Stark. Um, that's true. It's abruptly I, ended. I, I would I would love to see the movie not end with a like Kind of 1950s Hollywood ending, but end with more of a postscript on the influence of Stark on the on the area.
1: It does end rather abruptly. Like he, 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 he gives shot,
2: one quote to burden, and yeah. then it like dun 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 dun. The he end, went, and it <laughs> like, goes to the side. And yeah,
1: yeah. It would have been. And talking about arcs, maybe it would have uh, delivered a little more depth if. Um, like, his assassin, who is the Doctor, mm. was maybe a little less of a thin uh, characterization or maybe just a more magnetic performer there. Yeah. The guy's kind of a...
2: Deus Ex Machina of yeah, Adam. The guy's of, kind of a zero. Uh, Tom,
1: But he is there the whole time. He's there for the rise. Sure. He's there to entertain him when he's in, you know, in Burden's Landing and all that stuff. You know, gets semi-involved. I just don't think he's giving a lot, or yeah. getting a lot. Yeah. He, you yeah. know how he's he's,
0: he's sort of set up, too, from the beginning, like at the the party that they have at, at Burns Landing, where everybody's, you know, Stark says, does anybody have any questions? And it's just, oh, no, no, we, we all love you, no, no. Yeah. And then finally it's the, the Doctor, the eventual assassin who speaks up and says, I have a question. So he's yeah. sort of set up from the beginning as a uh, someone skeptical. Yeah. Which, which something is something little...
1: like, I'll yeah. just say, um, no, just a parallel. I'm kind of thinking about right now. Not that's my favorite movie, but I think the movie Milk does this a lot better. Harvey Milk, uh, you know, insanely charismatic performer, and you have um, Michael Shannon's character, uh, Josh oh. Brolin. Yeah. yeah, he plays oh, right. Dan something. Dan yeah. White is the Dan White. assassin. That's right. You at least get his, his point of view and his radicalization on uh, more of a, you know, more of a full-bodied. It came Part of the movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm just curious, this is a side. I've never seen Milk. Did they work Twinkies into Dan Watt's story in that movie? <laughs> no. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> the one time they had. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um how about scenes that stand out? Any scenes that stand out is great. I think you kinda mentioned it earlier. I think his his sort of coming out on the stage scene—the Hicks speech—is yeah. the only way I think. Yeah, I his dr- it. his drunk speech
2: yeah. that is supposed to be his endorsement speech, mm-hmm. where he goes, "I got a speech here, but I'm not going to read it." Like I, where I mean, they literally have like flames on either side of his head after that speech. <laughs> yeah, like that is such an electric speech. Yeah, even though it's, and it's like it's, <clears throat> I I I think it is a good case study for good effective speech writing. In that, to me, the word hick starts to kind of grate on my ears because of how often it's used. But, like, that kind of repetition is, is phenomenal, like, cult of personality, yeah. like, speech-making. Yep. Because you are targeting an audience. You are making yourself the representative of that audience. So you need to, like, you're a hick, I'm a hick. Like, that's your whole, that, that is the title of his speech, yeah, that's, that's if I write it in big bold letters for my English class, right? And it's just it is it is I think just textbook great writing. Yeah.
1: you have this like kind of disparate, ununified people; just they're all dissatisfied. And through that repetition, he's kind of all organizing them together. Like this is what we are, and this is what they are.
2: Yeah, and this is the guy who on every whistle stop would tell people we need to change, we need economics to work for us, here are the facts and figures. To the point where it's Mm -hmm. a joke, where someone says, when you stop, we need to give them the facts, and someone goes, and figures! Right. (laughs) Like, it's so that when he finally stops being so scholastic and delivers a message that at least is from his whiskey heart, then it's it's real. Mm Mm-hmm. Um so I, I love that scene. I would rewatch that scene it's also a dozen times. times. <laughs> like the it's word really, hick, too
0: is like a word that if he said it once it would be off putting for a lot mm-hmm. of the people, but by him repeating it and repeating it and he knows what he's doing. Himself, yeah. That it you, it's it's it loses clearer it's than on a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Especially when you hear about his his drunk ramblings earlier where someone was, where someone someone says like Uh, he's like passed out on a table and they're like, yeah, he's drunk. He told me he was going to fight everyone with his bare hands and he's an animal and that he's going to like fix the world and he's going to run for president and it's like that message is so ununified and then when he finally gets in front of his people, it's so dialed in and it's it's
0: really good. I do think another scene that really kind of stands out to me, not definitely not compared to that one. I think that's definitely the best scene uh, that we just mentioned, but the courthouse scene where all the people are chanting you know, we want Willie Mm -hmm. at the end because it's such a good display of the power and the people that he has cultivated over the course of this movie, which Mm -hmm. was uh, like, it's legitimately scary for those people to try to vote against him. They do a great job
1: directing the actual danger you'd feel yeah, like being in opposition there. You get the, the cut of all the people outside, you get like torches, you get Mm -hmm. like, you know, before that it's like, get all the, get everybody and the scene of everyone just, en masse up approaching the building is pretty impressive. Yeah.
3: yeah. The other other scene I would mention is uh, it's not her first scene but Mercedes McCambridge's first scene. It's I think in his second little whistle stop there and John Ireland walks into like a little cafe to have a cigarette and a chair and she sits across from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That scene's I mean it's, it's her first like kind of major scene Yeah. she just chews it up. It's so good. The, way, he, the way He's, he's like, like so I'm... he's like, so what are you doing here? And she's like can I have a cigarette? Yeah. I was just like Ugh. Cause he says "He says, what do you do she goes I write things for
2: important people I think she says or I, I write important things for people and he goes I take notes I t- I t- that's t- what she says yeah. I she take
3: not- notes who do you take notes for people who pay me yeah I was like, god damn his writing is good <laughs> yeah and he
0: finally there, there's something where he's, he asks he's like are they uh, are they I forget what he asked but her retort is it's it's worth it or, you know, it's they're, they're smart people if they're paying me. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. yeah and then he asks that. one
2: more question. She goes, give me a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. It's just so good. I, I will call out one more scene real quick. Uh, in Burden's Landing, when there's the big confrontation between uh, Burden, Stark, and Stanton, mm-hmm. uh, where where Burden is finally caught flat-footed um, to, to the betrayal, um, and uh, before Stanton ends up killing himself, Judge Stanton, um... Is, you know, Willie Stark recumbent in the chaise, just like, obviously with his hands on imaginary puppet strings, just like, letting this conversation play out the way it has a thousand times in his head. Right. He's just so casual, and knowing the Mankiewicz fact that he was a B-list, like, mob boss movie actor, Mm -hmm. just like, letting him relax. He's not even playing Willie Stark at that point. He's playing director. And this is his scene. He's just asking questions of Stanton. And Stanton and, and Burden are just sitting there like agape at the fact that they have to betray each other. Or that their betrayal is now in the open. Even though neither of them really did anything to cross each other. It was a third party. Felt felt like the most like whodunit that I expect from movies from the 40s that gets... Nominated and wins Best Picture. Sure, um, but I, I really, really like that scene at the governor's. I think that's a governor's mansion, right, or the former governor governor's uh, summer home.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, one mm-hmm. question about the theme, that, which is very overt in this movie. I don't. I really don't know of a theme beyond the uh, corruption of power and whatnot. But that's um, it? That's, that's the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Lucy doesn't like that he drinks. So he doesn't drink. <laughs> is uh. So, I think the movie obviously does a good job of, of showing, of, of expressing its theme yeah. in how power corrupts. Um, do you know of a movie off the top of your head that does it better? Corruption of Power. Lord or, of War, starring Nicolas Cage. The way yeah, power can corrupt. The movie's good, though. Yeah, it is good. Do you um, run across your mind,
3: does this remind you of any other movie in this I respect? mean... All did, the presidents, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, the... I mean... Citizen Kane to some extent, right? Am I way off base with that?
0: I need to... I I don't know. I I thought of Citizen Kane, too, watching
3: this movie. I mean, you know... know. It starts
1: off as an idealist. Right. You know, with the... the... And, like, his
3: last thought is, like, going back to his childhood where he was kind of innocent. Like, that whole vibe. I mean, you know William Randolph Hearst, so it's that story. I mean, he definitely was corrupted by power. So that's a pretty good one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know we say like the theme is so obvious it's power corrupts and we all know it i just wonder just thinking about context in 1949 with citizen kane not really being a big hit right if this was more uh i don't know galaxy brain than it is today um because this is all before uh you know before fdr dies before presidents are assassinated well, somewhere, but like, yeah, Lincoln yeah. And, and whatnot. Just Lincoln, and McKinley, and <laughs> not a big deal. All that shit. But before, like uh, you know, we have uh, president resigning because of all this corruption. I wonder if it's uh, was more impactful back in the day. Unanswerable question, I guess. Hard for us to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe brought something that everybody thought to the forefront in a, a way it hadn't before.
3: Yeah, I mean when this movie was released to like well, you said, FDR hadn't died yet. He had. He
0: had? This was this came out in forty nine. Yeah. Oh okay.
3: Right. He'd been dead for four years. So, so I wonder if that's another reason why so when was when did Robert Penn Warren write the book? Do you all know? Uh,
0: that I don't know. But Huey Long died in thirty five, so I would imagine it's uh late thirties,
3: early forties. That sounds right. Um
0: And so, yeah, I guess I also wonder, like... So it's
3: post-FDR and post-Truman's candidacy, yes? It's after Truman was elected, yeah. So I wonder if the world was also a little ready to, you know, kind of go with the opposite side of FDR and Truman. They were kind of very willing to embrace, like, anti-democratic film. Sure.
1: Sure. And part of the I think movie being ahead of its time is it is very pessimistic, um, huge movie, where it has like the a guy betraying all of his morals to get, you know, absolute success. Where yeah, it's like a couple years before you have like the best years of our lives, and it's like World War II, super uplifting, and yeah, yeah, well, finding I'll, a way in the world. Right. I also think
0: that. W- People were probably aware of Huey Long, especially, you know, an
3: assassination makes people uh, he aware was, of the he target, was, too. So. Um, Charles was saying that his dad, who's still alive, compared Huey Long to Robert F. Kennedy and how much everyone was sure he was going to be the next president. Yeah, and so, like, like... he was the... He was Trump in the way that he was, like, the blue-collar savior. So, I think... You know what I mean?
0: Yes, so, I think, uh, it being so, cl- so obviously about Huey Long... That I think that maybe makes it not so much about like whether it is whether it matters if people were ready for an indictment or, or, or to feel any sort of negative thing about a politician like FDR or Truman
3: because it is so specifically pointing to one person and the movie didn't really draw a political line anywhere, right? It was just saying like politics, you it was know. Never about you know what I mean. It was yeah. never
0: about the politics. It was about the politician.
1: Correct.
3: Um, I think it because it... they they said too like he did do good things for industry, construction, schools, you know, infrastructure. Like, that kind of shit. That's not, like, left out of the film. Right.
1: Yeah, maybe it's my own bias or lack of bias as far as Huey Long. I obviously know Wikipedia's worth about him, and I've, I think I saw some of Kingfisher, like the John Goodman TV movie. Yeah. Like, about it. Isn't, that, isn't he in that? Yeah. yeah,
3: I'm sorry. That was not... Me and Brent were having a side conversation via phone. <laughs> that was weird.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, secret conversation. But I think it. I think it does rise above a biopic of someone you know, and it kind of wears those clothes to tell a story more than it is like like a ray, like the oh, story like of. And maybe
3: like pre-show, I was asking David, like, I wonder, why Robert Penn Warren, Robert Penn Warren didn't just write a book about Huey Long, and maybe that's why.
1: I'm guessing to make it more universal.
3: Yeah, I agree. Like, this didn't feel like a biopic to me.
0: It felt, because it didn't feel just about the story of one remarkable person. It felt more about a, a, a cautionary tale about what could happen to yeah. anybody like a Willie Stark who is who is upset at his local commissioners for anything. It, right? it's,
1: it could, I mean, it's also the other theme of the movie. You know, it's less big than the power corrupts, but the... Is about a person like what could happen to a Willie Stark, but also a person like Jack, is you need to, you know, you need to examine your idols. Right. You need to know who you're following, you know, you need to know what you're doing. Yeah. In that and, respect. And
2: kind of like a C-plot is, is the importance of journalistic ethics. Like, the, yeah. like if, like you, because I, I, I do think that, that, that a part of why he gets canned from the paper is because of his just like blind
1: praise of Stark. You can only mortgage, you know, I think him and a bunch of other characters that follow Willie Stark, you can only mortgage so much of your soul before it's, yeah. you, you know, you've, you're past the, past the line of no return. That's a good
3: message I didn't think about that I think is true and stands and win will always, but the, the whole, you know, it's okay to vote for someone and then not vote for them next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: How about the, uh, let's move on to the performances of the movie, which we've touched on already. I think we're all fans of, uh, Mercedes McC- McCambridge. Cambridge? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, huge fan. I'm yes. also a big fan of Broderick Crawford in this movie. Yes. It's...
1: I think it's magnetic.
0: I don't know any of their other work, but man, this is, this is really, makes me open to watching more stuff. <laughs> so she down. is a giant.
3: That's her other big, like, film that everybody mm-hmm. has heard of. And she's um, Pazuzu. And she's Pazuzu. <laughs> I was, uh, I thought Crawford was very, very good. I was not
0: floored by his overall performance. It's not like a transcendent thing. Like, it's not like a best no. of the decade type performance, right. but I can absolutely see it winning best actor. There's no, like, there are some, like, there's Peter
3: Falk or, uh, Last Week in the End of the Night. Red yeah. Steiger. Red Stiger. Where I watch it and I'm just like, yeah, I'd vote for them unseen. I don't need to see the competition kind of thing. Right. And with this, it was like, yeah,
0: it's good. This, I, is, I think it's, this it's, was strong enough to be nominated in any year.
3: Pro- probably so, yeah. In Cal- the average I would year. maybe
1: a little higher estimation on him. I would probably see him as one of the best of the decade. In only that, like, the, uh, the all the speeches are incredible. And you, you make a great point of laying them side by side if you just cut them all together. Yeah. There's a great arc there. I think he also plays the small moments, I think, just as well. Um, yeah, his large in life personality can be there when he's just like you know giving a harumph to something or just like sneering at something, mm. and he plays this uh, this indignant naivete at the beginning pretty convincingly. I think he he's all along the arc. I think he hits it really well.
3: I think he does a really good job. I think he probably suffers some from the screenwriting, uh, something that movie wasn't nominated for, which I found interesting. It, it was. It, was, it was. didn't it win. Okay, I thought I counted him up, and I remember. Did he get nominated for editing, or did I make that? Yeah. up? Anyway, anyway yeah. the the screenwriting still suffered for me, and I think Chris did a little bit in the, yeah. the middle half, middle third, and maybe he suffered there a little bit. But I kind of just got bored with his performance in the middle of the film a little bit there. So I don't know. I won't single out his performance, but I also I mean it's know. just hard I to single out anybody because the movie's him. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I I don't know where else I'm going to bring this up to agree with you. That also for me during the middle of third of the movie, kind of, that's the moment where I was most tempted to grab an iPad and just sort of like see, yeah. see what's up.
2: now I need to read the Wikipedia about this movie,
3: and not right. like nowhere like, near approaching the cutoff. It's not
0: yeah. boring necessarily, right? But it loses a little bit of steam in the middle for me, like between his rise to power and then the uh,
3: the everything with the judge at the end. Right. Well, it might be because up until the moment he becomes governor, the movie is. Addicting, yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, this uh,
1: burning off plot, like it's powering the Titanic. Yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> it's just going like stuff, 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 <laughs> stuff, stuff, stuff. Oh, it's it,
3: it,
2: it's twenty minutes into the movie, and he's already ran in two races and is now elected governor. Yeah. By
3: twenty minutes in, and they do that big jump where it's like two years later and two more years later. Yeah. Like, so you're just like, sweet, this is great. I think, you it's, I think you...
0: it's the the story of him when he starts bringing on the mistresses and all that. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, and the the relationship with what's her name, Anne, Anna. Uh, Anna. Yeah. Anna. That, that just starts to maybe, I don't find that quite as compelling. And I know it's setting up the conflict with uh, the journalist.
1: Right. I think if you streamline this movie a little bit, you could probably also cut out all the stuff with the son. Yeah. The son who is who is not really a son, but a person that they take in. Right. And around that same time is when they keep going back to Burden's Landing a whole bunch of times yeah. and those characters. It's just super diminishing returns. Right. After a while. I agree. Aside from the judge, I love all the stuff with. I love Judge Dredd. Yeah. Uh, as far
0: as uh, technical achievements in this movie, there's really not a lot of even attempts. Except, I'd like to. I'd like to make note of the editing at some point. Um, yeah. Because I was reading about this movie, and apparently they had just a ton of footage that was filmed for this. Really, a I, ton. I
2: mean, I can kind of tell. There's a couple points. Where I noticed a jump in the in the film reel, where it's clear that we had a good line delivery by, uh, you know, by 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 Stark, and then well, we didn't get the right reaction to him, and so it would look like the film would offset uh, by like a little bit where it I saw I saw actual jumps in the editing like maybe four times which I thought was jarring like today wouldn't wouldn't truck at all mm-hmm. like you would look at that and be like how sloppy but maybe it's you know it's it's you know they're they're physically editing this reel together so it's much more difficult at the time to have so much footage and for it to only be noticeable like a few times I think in hindsight that is impressive
0: well let me let me read you real quick from this is from wikipedia's uh production section this is uh oh. i found this i found this interesting
2: ah mr pedia
0: yeah so uh the uh original cut had trouble um Reading. they had trouble putting all the footage that the director had shot into a coherent narrative um robert parrish was brought on board by director robert rawson and not that robert parrish uh <laughs> And Columbia Studios head, Harry Kahn, (laughs) to see what he could do. Rawson had a hard time cutting anything he shot. After several weeks, the movie was still over 250 minutes. Jesus. Oh my god. Cone was prepared to release it in this version after one more preview, but this threw Rawson into a panic, so the director came up with a novel solution. (laughs) He told his editor to select what you consider to be the center of each scene... Put the film in the sink machine and wind down a hundred feet before and a hundred feet after. And chop it off, regardless of what's going on. <laughs> Cut through dialogue, music, anything. Then, when you're finished, we'll run it and see what we've got. When they were done, they had were, they were left with a 109 minute movie that was more compelling to
3: watch. <laughs> I, I definitely saw that a couple times.
1: Yeah, it was. Where it was just like
3: beep, beep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so like. First off.
0: I don't think it dominated for an Oscar, though. It, well, it's like, man... Difficulty. So, it, it, it's like... But my, is it, though? Just Ratchley
1: got it. That's the same reason. Yeah, that's true. That's this shit, is the
0: most worthless Oscar now. <laughs> uh, this Oscar has no merit going forward. Ever again. It has erased all that came before. But, uh... But, like... The editing saved this movie in that it made it a movie. Like, more so than editing True. normally does. That's that's thing so, from like a 1 to a 70 or whatever. That's so yeah.
2: hard to praise, though, when you're like, well, you should have seen what we had. It's like,
3: well, we can't give you credit for that. That's what I was just about to say. I get nominated I, like, I, I I yeah. for editing? I'm just going to be like, I have this movie, it's 40 days long. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we edit it one day.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, we edited it down, and now there's no movie. Just TJ getting an Oscar now. Yeah. <laughs> I have the, the hardest job. So, like, like that's what I was going to ask you, is how much credit do you give the editing f- to know that it made it a coherent movie? And the, I mean, we saw it. It's a, I think it's a good movie, and so they, it made it at least a, a comprehensible story. I was but, surprised to see I, the editing. But no. based on what we saw compared to other movies that just knew what they were doing from the get-go, Yes, like... Is it still great editing? Because I don't know that it is. I have, I will, I will I have no
1: it. time for that argument. It's it's if the editor's covering because the uh, the director is a jackass. <laughs> it has no vision or a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. Um. <then> <laughs> I, Hang I, on, I want to make it clear,
0: Robert Rawson, We are not making any accusations. No, Brian of, Bryan Singer. Yes. <laughs>
1: Bare minimum. When I see a movie. I assume that it's a watchable movie. Right. To tell me the backstory of how you made it a watchable movie, it's like, that's the core minimum of what you had to do. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, true.
3: It's, we're not watching the TJ's tidbit from like three weeks ago, the 700-hour movie or whatever. If yeah. you look
1: at a painting and this guy said it took me 14 years to paint it and a guy said, I did it in 30 minutes, I'm going with 30-minute guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Or or I'm going to ignore the 14
3: but. hours like, and just say, oh, I'm going to look at what I see. I feel like this fits. Yeah. When we bought our the last car we bought, I was going to Chevrolet, I was at the Chevrolet dealership, and he was like, we've got these like, cool anti-lock brakes. And I was like, yeah, Ford has them too. And he was like, yeah, we were first. Great. I don't care! (laughs) What the fuck do I care dude? do Don't give
2: me extemporaneous information when all I want is for the thing to be functional. Like, (laughs) to applaud the fact that you made, like, your story make sense from A to B, like, what, I don't care what you cut out of it It
0: should have always done
1: that You uh, did your job Every yeah. time mm-hmm. I break I yell Original
0: <laughs> <laughs> First Alright moving on if, uh, We all agree it sounds like yeah. It. Of the people involved with this film Is it anyone's number one achievement If not who's it closest for So let's start with Ross and the director I, I have not seen The Hustler and I would probably need to before I weigh in.
1: I have seen The Hustler. It's actually, it's a very good movie. The Hustler is incredible. It's very different from The Color of Money, too. It's it's a lot more cynical of a movie than that. It's a lot darker. I think it's a really good movie. I think I'd probably say it's better than this. I'd probably lean
3: towards that. Yeah. Alright, two for two. Who's the next person? <laughs> Broderick Crawford. Well, I do want to bring up John no. Ireland and Broderick Crawford. Yeah. On this question, I thought about it as I was reading their their bios. Uh, Crawford, you know, big and like a tough guy, roles in like mafia movies. Ireland did like a ton of westerns before this, so this was a like stepping out away f- of what they normally do for them. So I think for them too, it definitely is. Um, uh, is is Ireland a big enough name
1: for us to care if it's his best? No, he was in like B westerns. Okay, he did get nominated for an Academy Award for this. But I think he's one of the worst parts of the movie. I do tell uh, you. It's the the story it's a movie I like, but he's one of the worst I parts. not think, I think I one of the, one the worst parts of the movie.
2: I, not, not that I'm saying that there are parts but that are worse than him. There are smaller parts. But I think he does fine.
1: There are smaller parts and there are definitely worse actors. But as far as the weight he has on the shoulder to carry parts of the movie himself... That's when I can say he's and, uh, I mean, he's, a, he's our conduit but, to the
0: story, I, and I didn't really care about him. All. Yeah, he's, I our, think he's a lot of a storytelling.
2: Sure, yeah, Could that. Yeah, he's our narrator. I I just I just want to make sure that you guys aren't propping the academy on your shoulders when you say that he's the worst part. Only that I want <clears throat> there to not be any kind of prestige, right? That you're like, oh, this is a bad nomination, so he's not good. Okay. Yeah, but I, I, that's. I just want to demystify the academy a little bit. But I just mentioned if you the nomination. Still think that he's not great. And I'll also, I okay,
0: will yeah. also point out that I glanced at the Oscars for the the twenty second Oscars for the the nineteen forty nine year, and I don't really know much about most of the movies that were nominated that sure. year. Me it either. looked like a real weak year as far as movies that have endured. Yeah. And it
1: was no nineteen sixty seven. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. the best movie of nineteen forty nine, as far as I'm concerned, the third man. Was not nominated until it was a U.S. release in 1950,
3: okay. so it was a year later. Does <laughs> that weird for y'all that watch this movie? Not just the black and white versus color, but the filmmaking eighteen years prior to the movie we watched last week in the heat of the night—like different fucking world of movie making. I, I, I this doesn't fit in anywhere. Well,
2: uh, it does. So I'll wait, but or I'll, I'll jettison this ahead because I think it's the next question. This movie felt so dated. Yeah, this movie felt like it does
3: not. Hold water at all. It kind of oh. felt like I was watching it happen one night, which I've seen multiple times and I love. It was made twenty
0: years before. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, this that is an interesting point. This is the last year the Oscars had all black and white Best Picture noms.
2: Makes sense. Yeah. This
0: the, of all of the of classic
2: movies that I've seen, this movie reminded me of *Maltese Falcon*. This movie reminded me of yeah. like these, like, hard-boiled stories with like, with, like, one charismatic lead mm-hmm. with, like, dames who are, like, throwing, like, stray plots at him that he's, like, not... You know, it, it, it felt so, like, arrows into a target and you just hope that one's a bullseye and they just happen to get lucky with uh, Broderick Cameron. Cameron Broderick? What's Broderick, Broderick, Crawford. Broderick Crawford. Broderick Crawford.
1: I've already... Yeah, you bring up... I think some of the movie, I think, does hold up. Basically, the the depiction of a uh, bad guy at the at the center, someone mm-hmm. turning bad, but at the same time, I viewed the mo- interestingly. Just thinking about it, I viewed the movie as a period piece, looking back, even though it was a contemporary movie. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, it's where that's not the case with like the you know the third man or like a sixties throwback movie in the heat of the night. I think just as resonant today.
3: Yeah, that's that's
0: funny. So normally we ask the question of was this a box office hit, but in 1949 it made 2.4 million dollars, and I have no idea if that's a hit or not. Well, the budget was a hundred dollars.
2: But adjusted <laughs> to today's money, that was <laughs> two budget. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the movie was made on coupons. Yeah.
3: So. Yeah.
0: Fifteen movies for a quarter. So. so I have no idea if this movie was successful or not. I would imagine it was because it was about someone who had been in the news that people can remember. I mean, financially successful.
2: So we can we hem and haw financially successful. But it was remade in two thousand six. It took them fucking like fifty years to remake this movie. Almost sixty years, and we still talk about this as like a fine, uh, a ad- fine representation
0: of journalism and politics. I feel like yes, probably. Yeah. Um. You think this movie is important to film history? Because my quick answer is probably not at all. As far as I don't think it really. It's not the kind of movie I, I feel like that would inspire inspire anyone artistically. I I, I want to clear 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 my throat because I'm
2: gonna have nothing else to say about this. Um. I think that this film is important to lots of scholastic discussions, but I don't think that it is necessarily important to film history. I think it is important to history as far as and I'm 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 on the journalism bent here. Um even though Burton may not be the most compelling character, it is it is the most interesting storyline to discover uh ideas about, about the
0: role of, of of media with politics. Having not... Uh, have any of us read the book? No. No. Having not read the book, do you think it's... Do you think... Would you guess that the book is equally as important? Like, would you... Sure. I kind yes. I agree, but I feel like it's mostly what was in the book. Oh, yeah. As, as important. I
2: bet that Jack Burden was written as a shady character, and if you're not familiar with this movie, you didn't watch it for homework... Or whatever, like we have a term for who Jack Burden is, and the term is he's a fixer. If you're watching Cohen testify before the oversight committee like two weeks ago, that was who Jack right, right. Burden was. He's the fixer, he's the person who digs up dirt and who silences opponents. Like, sure. period. So, that this is the f- maybe not the first, but one of the most popular representations of it. I think it's important to history, maybe not film history.
3: I can see that. I, I agree with what Chris said 100. percent I really have nothing else to add. It was so.
1: I would just, uh, you know, a lot of this time, important to film history, we're speculative mm-hmm. because we're not film historians and we do not know filmmakers' intents when they make other things we think are influenced by it. That being said, I will add that the depiction of um, the depiction of the main character who gets corrupted. You know, he starts out as a good guy, ends up as a bad guy. I think this movie does a good job of bringing that trope from genre pictures, like gangster movies, where you can have a bad guy be the... Like the Jimmy Cagney movies. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, Public Enemy, White Heat, all that stuff. To bring it into bigger public consciousness in, like, a politician movie or a big Oscar-winning movie. Before that, it's just, like, the thing of gangsters, the thing of westerns, the thing of other yeah, things that aren't right. as serious. Quote it's also unquote.
0: it's also hard for someone our age to know exactly how much was borrowed from Huey Long, the real person, because like I think of, I watched this and I thought of Oh uh, Brother Where Art Thou and that governor and his rise to power and whatnot on the, you know, appealing to the common folk. And I thought, is that more Huey Long or is it is it more taken from... It's pretty spot on Huey
2: Long, I from think, what I've read. I think it's more George Marshall, though. Because in O Brother or Art Thou, he does ride on the back of the clan and of fear of the other. In this, there is no, like, real uh, otherization. There's no... Like, Huey Long never talks about the opponent of being any other person than the government itself. And the establishment, capital E so it's 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 to me a little different than oh brother, and I don't know what Huey Long's campaign was like um but personally, I went into this movie thinking that there was going to be some conversation about race uh, I think I was a little uh a little forward minded thinking that a movie that won best Picture in nineteen forty nine would be able to
3: and that's what I left out of the Huey Long in the thirties was a i mean he had he was a huge proponent of rights for African Americans. Yeah, I mean, if you're running on
2: the Hick vote, like you're, you're probably he was doing, for poor people. Yeah, like all poor period, people. poor people. Yeah. yeah, it was not about race; it was always about class. Class. Another Trump's like race.
1: candidate being like Trump. Yeah, accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, my thing about film history I completely take back. I honestly did not make the connection to Citizen Kane, but it is basically that movie. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, I was going to say, when you said that we're not film historians, I was like, well, yeah, we're technically not film historians in the world. There are people who know more history of film than we do, but we also know more than, like, Honestly, like, 97% of the country.
1: Sure. And, like, and that's <laughs> like, at least can we see the influence? Right. And,
3: in, and if we don't know directors intents when they make the movie, you're like, well, that's fucking on them. It's entertainment. If we don't right. get it, that's their problem, not ours. You know what I mean? I also sad.
0: typically, after I watch a movie for Talk of Fame, I, I do try to research this a little bit. I know it doesn't give us a great idea, but I try to look and see, because uh, you can look at who voted for what in the, uh, like, Sight and Sound does the, mm-hmm. the big... Yeah. Poll every 5 years and this yeah. didn't get a single vote from a critic or a director. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then uh there's another website that that keeps track of any time directors list their biggest influences. I don't want that to seem as a negative, but I do like looking at it to see if there is a positive correlation. Sure. Like uh yep. I'm not going to hold it against this movie because it didn't get votes, but you know, if it had, I might Reconsider a little yeah, bit. but certain, but
2: certainly way. a movie like pulp fiction which is probably referenced a lot by directors that is only now fuck 26 years old 25 years, 25 years old is more influential <laughs> to directors than a movie that is one whose title you've heard in the annals of history of film
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> our last our last question in our in the annals of the uh, uh. The gauntlet. Is uh is this one of the best movies in its genre? Movies no. starting with the phrase all the <laughs> Well no. <laughs> no. I mean, it might be top two in that category. <laughs> there's there's if, if
2: if I had the time. Political thriller, is that what we're doing? If I had the time and I thriller, had not, thriller? It's not, I don't think no. it's thriller yeah, thriller. I think it's just one of the only thrilling like, thing is the last like five
0: seconds because you're not allowed commentary? to... If you're, if you're genre-ing yes. this, I think maybe just rise and fall story. Well, although we don't really get to see the fall. Yeah. As far yeah. as politics, I, I do love... Killed a
1: uh, like any movie, I love it when they get into the actual process of how things work. Right. I do love the wheeling and dealing, uh, getting that kind of glimpse into that the things you sacrifice but this cuts so much of that out i was going to say
3: yeah but really dude you'd be like see them endorse that check that time <laughs> in like a in like a 1940s
2: movie style montage with like sinister music playing over it of him shaking hands with like land like that dead picture like
3: <laughs> so i did, i do think it's
0: a, it's very good in the cautionary tale sort of genre of movies what i would it would rank highly for me in that subgenre of this is a guy who, at the very beginning, you're immediately on his side because he really is well-meaning in his community. He wants to do good things for he. It's not. This isn't Willie Stark's grand plan to rise to president or governor or anything at the beginning of the movie. He's literally just a guy who wants to be who to help his community and, and help break. Well, up. I think
3: that's where you would look at it in a sub-genre ranking. Mm-hmm. Is like kind of what me and David were talking about pre-show. Uh, like anti-hero kind of like inverse of Walter White kind of oh, thing man I wouldn't
2: even call him an anti-hero I would call him anti to the idea of an anti-hero
0: it's a hero who just develops into a villain
2: well no you, that's what I'm talking about yeah. is that the, the well the, inverted
0: Walter White I guess then leans sure but, but, yeah. so, but so is Walter White I was about to say I think it more directly is Walter White like you start, <laughs> oh, right, off, yeah. you start off rooting Go for well him meaning, you turn into the, right. yeah. by right, the end right, of the right, movie right, he, right. Is, he yeah. is correct and actually I meant to bring that up when we were talking about it. Does a does anything tell the story of power corruption better I think Walter, I think Breaking Bad does
1: yeah it does. It did have like eight seasons to do it
0: I find that again TV yeah. is tough it's, it's right. easier in TV yeah um, well um, first, first off end. is it better than I have two movies to compare this to is it better than The Great Wall
3: I think uh, has. <laughs> I haven't seen The Great Wall well me and Chris aren't playing do y'all watch it okay yeah. well then is this better <laughs> is this better than Green Book yeah I think
0: it is definitely better than Green Book. No, ooh, I don't think it's better than Green Book. It's,
3: cl- it's close. It's yeah. close.
2: I don't think it's better than Green Book. Uh, <laughs> it it only did one thing well and only for like a couple minutes, and I thought that was <laughs> that was letting. Uh, Willie Stark be grand and big and bombastic and other than that it was kind of like a meandering whodunit without ever finding out that there was a crime ever committed. It was a mystery without any intrigue. Everyone knew how he came to power because because Jack Burden narrated it over the first five minutes of the movie and then when he came to power it was like, well yeah he told us about that and then none of the performances before that were interesting to describe it. Uh, See,
1: I don't think the movie promises a who done it as much as it's like this is his rise and fall. Or this is just basically his rise and abrupt fall.
2: No, but it says that there was something special that happened here and nothing about any of the performances or the actions l- like look special or feel special. Everything is done with a handshake deal. Nothing is underhanded. Everything is told to the people. There's no secrets ever between any of the characters, except for the final scene, which is one of the ones that I said needed to be pointed out. Which is the one at Burden's Valley, mm-hmm. which I've already forgotten. Burden's Landing, yeah. which is where you you find that someone has betrayed another person. Everything else is it's, it's all over the table. There's no like like it's like Burden says like we organize strikes. I forget what he calls them. I think he calls them like fists or slams or punches. But like Remember. when he's talking about, uh, what talking about after Stanton rallies the impeachment votes, he says, "Well, we organized like like people to go beat up those at rallies," and it's just like it's all so above ground that it feels like I'm watching a CNN documentary about someone who's not super interesting.
3: I mean, that is the point of the character in a lot of ways. Yeah, so I, mean, he I constantly says he has nothing to hide.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the specialness is just his, his circumstance. You know, from where he was to where he got. You know, as quickly as he did, his circumstance is special. Even if his rise is not special,
2: like Nick Bellonga finally discovering <laughs> so, that, like black people aren't all savages. That I mean, that's they fair. have class. <laughs> but 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 in the same he breath, he never said that it was no no no. He I never know. answered. I know. But in the same breath you also have someone like like, you know, Mahershala Ali's character, Dr. Stanley, who sees that oh, even uncivilized white people I mean, there there is there is a there is a road that travels on both lanes, at least in Green Book, where when you get to the intersection, it's interesting, but here there's no intersection. It's all just one way. We've talked about this movie as a movie of a series of plot points. And that, to me, when I read The Hunger Games, it's Hunger Games is not an interesting book. The plot's interesting, but it's not great writing. So, this, to me, isn't great writing. It's like a story.
1: I, I don't find it that dissimilar from Green Book, in that respect. Green Book is a series of scenes between those guys, just similar to this, and if All the King's Men is obvious, Green Book is just as obvious about what it's doing the entire time. Yeah. There's nothing surprising about that arc of oh hey we come to respect each other. We're not so different you and I.
2: But but there's a full arc. Whereas with Stark, there's a rise and then he's dead. He doesn't learn anything about what he's doing. There's no like there there's no growth in the character. He he isn't corrupt and he means well. He rises to power, he does well and then he dies. There's no, like, I shouldn't have, like, tried to cover up this murder that my son committed. He just dies. Right. He doesn't say sorry to burden at the end. He doesn't learn anything. No. See,
1: I I, I disagree with what the arc is. Maybe that that's the thing. Is it's, You know, we talk about going from good to bad. That's the external portrayal. I think that the rise to power revealed what he always had inside. Is that he was always this guy You just never had the power to do it. Like Walter White. Which is why he wanted the attention to begin with, like, I'm against these guys, and being respected for being indignant and being right, and facts and figures that he's correct. I mean, there's... there is it's not that that's mind blog, I'm just saying. No,
3: I mean, I, I think there's a clue that... Well, what, do you, what do you written? do y'all think
0: it's better or worse than your book? I think it's better than Green Book for a simple reason, regardless of what kind of response I have to this movie and how I feel about this movie. It is, at the very least, on the positive side of the scale, which separates it from Green Book in my book. Hmm. Like, I had, I had, despite the things I liked about Green Book, I had an overall negative reaction to that
3: movie. Hmm. Oh, weird. Because you've definitely been like, oh, if it wasn't nominated for Best Picture, I would recommend it to people. Well, sure. I mean, it's better It's it's weird that you would have a negative reaction to a movie and also say you... I have a
0: negative reaction to it, uh, assuming
3: a certain level of quality, if that makes sense. But you would recommend movies to people that you think are on the negative side of the scale? I...
0: Yeah, like this is... I would recommend both of those movies more than I would recommend Agent Cody Banks. So where's your scale, though? It's not 50-50 is what you're saying. Say it's like... I'm saying among prestige films. Among movies that I recognize
3: as being better than just the run-of-the-mill movie. Because intellectually... Oh, so I'm like, asking your scale. It's like... So you're saying like... it have to be a 70 like, out of like, 100 and everything else is on the negative side.
1: Like, intellectually, we could say divorce it from context that this was never nominated or won, but it was. So, I don't think that I could divorce that. I, yeah. know, I mean, I definitely
3: can. Y'all can't really? Wait, no. Like, for a recommendation? Like, you're not going to recommend a movie because it got a nomination if it was not deserving? But you still would recommend it if it
1: didn't get a nomination? I think it influences, you know, what I think about it. Weird. Do y'all all agree with that? Well, I I always think of context when it comes to thinking about these movies. And that's part of the context is how it was received...
0: Maybe and this is a different conversation for kinds a different of other day. Stuff going so, yeah. let's, let's get to the vote. That's not, I, mean, I see what you're saying. I'm just, it's yeah. Let's get to the vote. Let's start with Chris. I feel like I know Chris's vote best.
2: Right. And this is not me banging my drum about how old movies are made for dumb people because old people are dumb. <laughs> I promise that. That's, that, is, that. That is a meme opinion that I have because I think it makes the, the guys in the room here laugh. Um, but I'm a no. Um, I think that we have named... Probably a half dozen movies that do a better job uh, at representing uh, the intersection of journalism and politics. I think that off the top of our heads, in 30 seconds apiece, we could name better acting performances and more charismatic anti-heroes. And I think that this is an instructional movie on how to drive a plot forward but not necessarily on what a best movie is of a genre that is impossible to
1: to
0: define here. I'd like to hear David's vote next.
1: Okay. This may be uh, unsuspenseful after this, but uh, I found this was uh, interesting and pretty good, but not good enough or interesting (laughs) enough to cross the threshold for me. I'm a no. Even though I thought it was... uh, Interesting blind spot I cleared up, and it was not the movie I thought it was going to be. But that doesn't make it talk of fame. TJ, I'm now, a no. Now for the irrelevance, to me <laughs> yeah. and you.
3: Uh, yeah, I'm a no. Um, especially on a first watch, a movie for me at this moment in time, the talk of fame, it needs to at least hold my attention and do that well for the entirety of the film. And this movie was not close to doing that. Uh, great performances, aside. Uh, I walked in tonight as a no, and
0: I remained a no. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I thought it was a, it was a good movie, and hmm? I don't have any, I can't currently take any issues with it winning Best Picture in its year, because it, at first glance, like I said, it kind of looks like a because when different. we're
3: fifty and we're still doing this podcast, we'll go watch all the nominees and then yeah. we'll have that conversation. Yeah,
0: but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's it doesn't anger me as a best picture winner. Um, but it's uh, it's sort of a it, it's it's good for what it is. It's not embarrassing, right? No. <laughs> but it, it I it, get it. It doesn't rise right. above its genre for me in any way, which is just it's a it's a pretty good cautionary tale political story.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's kind of it. Yeah, it's they, well done. Chris and hit, it, hit the nail on the head not to cut you off. But the thing, the most interesting thing on it are the performances. And they're not all times. So to, to get there with this kind of movie, they would have to be all timers.
2: I mean, there's a reason why the best lead actor from this year, that name is lost to history. Like, that is a trivia fact. Like this is not a guy whose repertoire you know when you're talking about best sure. leads. Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: Well, there's all kinds of reasons that can happen,
2: but well, because yeah, I think this is one of them. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, this is right before like Huac and all that stuff. This director got called before the Huac committee, pled, uh, pled the fifth, and didn't work for a while. It ended up naming names. Only had like two credits after this.
2: Mm. Well, bad, there you have bad it. time <laughs> sorry buddy
3: yeah work
2: I'm sorry First.
0: all the King's men gonna own four uh, That's okay the Kings men looked like it was rising to power in our talk of fame but we shot it <laughs> shot it down so I'm not gonna do a talk of fame
2: and not for like reasons where like we do too much of that <laughs> but um because as the old priest and the new priest I want to exercise some demons here ah. Uh, this is not at all making Brent watch The Exorcist, although I should have done that. Um, but what I want to do is I want to literally assign homework. Um, oh, if, no. if, if you guys are going to be at the podcast where we do our theme, talking to people in the room here, uh, I want you to come prepared. And not like that much preparation. Brent won't be here. so <laughs> But I want you to be able to pick a category in a year. Where something either won, and you think something else should have won. Or there was something that wasn't nominated that you think should have been nominated. And I want to hear, like, a full case. Not like, I've seen all five of these movies and this one is better. I don't know why, but it's better. Uh And here's my case. And I'll bring another one because I know we're all going to watch this. So it's not fair that I get, you know, to escape and all of you watch it. And then end up agreeing with me because you will. But for the 79th Academy Awards, the Best Picture winner in 2006 was Martin Scorsese's The Departed. So, I think the best movie that year was Babel. And so, our homework is Babel. It's on Netflix. Um, I think that this is, you know, heads and shoulders above the best movie of that year. You can look at the nominees. I'll make my case. I'll talk about the other movies that were nominated. I'll talk about The Departed. I'll talk about why Babel's better. So, Come equipped, whether it's Best Actor, Best Screenplay, Best Score, Best Something, a- and Academy Awards, and what it was up against that year generally. Fun. though. So pitch it to so me.
1: Any category?
2: Any category. I'm down. Best Animated. If you want to pick 2006 also, so, and you look at those three movies that were nominated for Best, Best Animated, and think that Corpse Bride was better than whatever the fuck won, then sure.
0: So you're looking for basically the most egregious mishandling of a category.
2: For you personally. Yeah. If you personally think that there is one that was like criminally overlooked, either as the winner or something that didn't even get nominated, uh, I want to hear about. It. I want I want Brent to send some
0: in. I might yeah. try to send something in. Since First off, d- quick, name a movie from 2018. Uh, Tully. Tully had better editing than Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> I All haven't right. seen. I haven't seen Tully. Oh, so, <laughs> so then
2: I do. I do. I do want to preface this because we've been doing this podcast for almost like, three years of movies. Omit them. I want to go, like, starting 2015, but be, b- before that. Makes sense. So Damn. 2015 and before. So it's not a movie that we have recently talked about. Sure. Preferably also,
1: on record at some point on a chat, an article, or a podcast. Right. Also, I, what I, about,
0: uh, like, would you also exclude other movies that we've done in Hallmark before? Like, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: You know, I don't want to hear about how Stripes should have been best picture, also, you know.
0: I also made, like, I remember I made a big case for, I thought Naomi, Naomi Watts should have won for Mulholland.
2: Yeah, you know. I don't need to make that
0: case again. Something new. Yeah. Yeah.
2: When you're making a case, I would expect there to be some some novelty to it. You know, David, I know you wrote that and then there were ten. I I understand that The Dark Knight really should have been nominated. Um, But, you know, your voluminous uh, knowledge of the Academy, I know that you can knock this one out of the park. And I was was excited to assign it before I knew that Brent may not be here. Even more excited to know that I've got the... uh, Brent and I are kind of Oscar novices, but to have the two Oscar experts ready to field my questions, I'm even more excited about it.
1: So are we coming with one or maybe a couple? One about?
2: or a couple. Um, and, and, uh, uh, I'm going to have many. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak a, this, this was one of my auto-include movies back when we were doing that, yep. so I'm going to sneak a talk of fame voted at the end, we'll just do a quick up-down, no full gauntlet about Babel. Uh, at the end of the discussion phase of that, of the homework. I and mean, if
1: you want, you can just override it and say, this is my auto in," That's true. <laughs> it was. Yeah.
2: I, I'm confident enough that I'll let the field decide. Nice. Ooh. Exciting.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that was to Talk. This is... Uh... talky Talk. The regular podcast for the Media by Us. Talk, you talk. can uh, check out our website, talk, check out talk. our Facebook groups, group by us,
3: group by, group by us, uh, <laughs> yeah. by us. By us group by us, by us, movies by us, group by us, group uh, by us, group by us.
0: If you haven't listened this far into the podcast before, you're not going to this time either. <laughs> but uh, just in case, uh, you can email us at media by us, gmail.com. You can tweet, tweet with us at the Media by Us. Uh, please subscribe, please give us a rating And thank you to the Willow Walkers Willow, and, and thank you to Booriefo <laughs> Bye Kicking rocks Down old dusty roads Small towns, Slow pokes Long time ago Kicking
2: out records Of all the
1: things that I know All the things that I know